Welcome to the Thirst is Real podcast. I'm your host, Mike Miller. I'm here with my co-host, Kelby Crawford. <laughs> and we're interviewing uh, Mr. Ryan Weaver today. How's it going, Ryan? It's good. Good. It's good to meet you. Good. I'm excited. We've kind of been hanging out, chilling at Kelby's house. And uh, this is our first podcast of all time. I mean, this is the first one. This is what's going to start the Thirst Nation. So anyway, we're having a good time just hanging out at Kelby's house and uh, talking to Ryan. But uh, the main reason we brought Ryan on the show today, guys, is he's a bonafide assassin. I mean, just somebody that we think is i mean when it comes to deer hunting he just knows how to get in there and find them uh one thing uh that really impressed me ryan about some of the things that you've done i mean you don't you're not only a just a, an amazing whitetail deer hunter but you're also uh do a lot of charity work you you do so much for, you give back a ton uh you served our country in the marine corps and we're super grateful for that but you know you're just an all-around pretty cool dude i just had a good time yeah, hanging out chilling with you so yeah man so, kind of words. hell yeah. So, what we're going to do is just, we're going to try to learn everything we can about whitetail deer hunting from you, whatever we can get out of you, whatever a couple of beers we'll bring out of whatever you. Whatever you'll pull out. That's exactly what gotcha. we're going to pull it all out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, cool. So, man, I, I, I guess, you know, we'll kind of keep it simple. How did you get into hunting? When did you start hunting? I would say, uh, so my dad grew up in South Georgia, and when he was younger, there really wasn't whitetail were when anybody hunted, they small game hunted, you know, territory and habitat was different. So it was quail, rabbit, squirrel, stuff like that. So when I was young, that's what he started me doing. And I just kind of took to the woods, you know, it felt like home to me. And um, I had a born with that desire, that thirst to learn. Now, the fact that he didn't turkey and deer hunt probably was the best thing because it made me have to dig really deep to, to, to have to work, to have to learn it, to have to mess up more than anything. And uh, I think that kind of goes to, you know, why I like helping people that are beginning start so much further down the road than where I was able to start. I feel like I'm really giving them a heads up on just the basics, the things that it took me so long to figure out. Right. I mean, I'm, I've am i been doing it for 30 years, and I'm still trying to figure it out. So. <laughs> you, I mean, that's two of us. Yeah, dude. I know some people, they, maybe they'll listen to the show, that they've been, been hunting in a hunting club their whole entire life. But some right. guys, I mean, they're, they're just starting. And I think one of the things, um, I think that's probably the hardest thing, is finding a place to hunt. Absolutely. I mean, that's probably... I mean, I mean, you like I said, you started out here in Georgia, and you're in Alabama now, but you hunt Tennessee and everywhere right. else. Right. But for I mean, I know, I mean, I've been in multiple times in my life w- without a place to hunt. Sure. I mean, we can definitely. I mean, uh, nothing against public land. I, I, I mean, I personally like. I love the idea of public land. Right. I mean, the outdoor industry has pushed it really well. But right. the thing for me, I mean, I just call me a wuss, but. I'm, I just can't stand the idea of a guy who doesn't know anything, who I don't know if he's had, you know, two 12 packs before he walked sure. in. Yeah. And he's, he's out there just God knows what. Right. <laughs> you I know? understand. And then, you know, vice versa. I mean, even on the other side of that, I don't like anybody walking through my hunting spot sure. where I'm at. I don't want to bust anybody else up. Right. There's, I mean, I, and I think that's a fear I think a lot of guys have for public land. It's just not, it's not really so much of a fear. It's like, man, I don't want to go, right. I don't want to go busting up. And then, you know, 
And if you're a real wuss, you're afraid to get lost in the woods. I'm just kidding. But I mean, seriously, <laughs> like there, I mean, there apps like on X and stuff are great. Sure. And I, honestly, I don't think I would ever try to hunt a, a piece of public land without right. an app like that. Yeah. Technology's made hunting a different world. It is um, totally, but don't be afraid to hunt public land. Uh, I would encourage anybody to get out there and do it. And I'll tell you why. It's not because of your encounters you're going to have with other people. One, even a bad encounter with somebody else will teach somebody how not to be. Right. So it's, an, it's a teacher of etiquette. And the other thing is it will make you learn deer. So, exactly. you know, states that have gone to legal baiting and stuff like that mm-hmm. that might give you a leg up on private land, you don't have that option. Exactly. So you have to go put in the legwork. And any hunter that's really starting out, to me, if you're going to be successful, you need to learn how to hunt. All scenarios, exactly. whether you can hunt with food or without food right. or travel or rut, you know, and it changes through the year. And um, I just, I think it's good to have in your arsenal, you know, just anything, you know, it's like us sitting here talking right now, Kelby's going to know things I don't know. You're going to know things I don't know. And one thing I see hunters, I think, make a big mistake doing is they let their ego get in the way. Oh, 100%. And uh, 100%. it's, it's kind of like having an ego in a job. It's not going to pay you. You know, throw it out. If you can learn from somebody, you don't even have to like the person. If they're a good hunter, right. their brain. You know, they Man, know something you don't. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> the best piece of advice I've ever heard came from Snoop Dogg. You don't know that? <laughs> I'm a, he said, the first time I ever heard this term, I'm a student of the game. Like, And I said, you know, student of the game. Like, what, that, what does that mean? But, I mean, ultimately, I think what that means is just like you said, I mean, I'll listen to a hunter who's got – He's probably been doing it for two years. Right. I've been doing it for over 30. I know whitetail deer hunting. I know it right. better than I think anybody else knows it in my, you know, to a point, sure. obviously. Right. I mean, I don't have tons of, uh, you know, shoulder mounts on my wall yeah. to prove that necessarily, but. You know, you're not a novice. Right. But exactly. That, that guy but, can still teach you something. But yeah, exactly. I, over the years, I think this was some maturity, you know, too. I've learned, hey, you know what? This guy might know a little something that right. I don't know. And right. I would love, I mean, that's, and honestly, I mean, I think, well, I could see us on the show even having people who, like you said, they're just not, they've only been doing it a couple of years, but they may have. They right. just may they may get it, you know, to a, right. you know, and, and in a way that I might not. They might know rattling better than I know how to scout a piece of land. Sure. So we totally got off subject about what how to find deer property. But so getting back on that, we think a guy who's looking for they're looking for some hunting property and what so, should, what do you what do you need to be looking for for maybe a guy who doesn't know and also maybe speak to those of us who definitely know. Okay. So first of all, uh, contrary to popular belief, size is not everything. You can 100%. have five acres in the right spot oh, yeah. and, and be a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, your neighbors are your, your best absolute. Friend. You need to do your homework. Don't be afraid to knock on doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a season for me, we have our leases in Tennessee. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we start earlier. We have our velvet season, and we go through that. Last year we had some uh, farm in Pike County. I'd go there when I could. And then when I'm when I'm done taking kids and when I'm, I'm done and everybody's happy at the end of the season – that's when I break my bow back out and I start hunting these small parcels of land in Alabama that mm. I've laid off all year. Oh, man. And uh, I've been really lucky that literally a couple of them are 10 acres. Yeah. But they're 10 acres in the right spot. Oh, man, yeah, 100%. Do you um, hunt any residential? Yes, uh, Ooh, I do. Tell me about that. I um, See, I, I want to know about the urban whitetail hunter. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I've learned about it. Uh, urban whitetail is the highest pressured animal you'll ever hunt. 
And the reason really? I say that is not just people trying to kill them, but everybody in the neighborhood is feeding them on their back porch. So when the you've got a, bushes, that's growing the manners. Hey, mm-hmm. when when you've got deer watchers that are in a subdivision and they're feeding feeders, whether it's legal or illegal to hunt over in whatever state you're in, they don't have any reason to go really anywhere else. No. They've got comfort, they've got food, they've got security, and. Um, People shining lights up. I mean, they really do. They get a lot of pressure. It's, it, it can be one of the most challenging hunts you can get on. So these guys that are hunting urban deer, yeah, there's some advantage to it, hands down. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's probably the pure hunting pressure side of it. But uh, it's not easy. It's so when when you say pressure, I, I mean being yeah. a, you know a hunter that's only ever hunted. Yeah, I, I've not hunted necessarily any kind of urban deer. When you say pressured, I mean, I, my, my immediate thought is hunting pressure, you know, right. the, that, that kind of. So pressure. any pressure to me that you that you put in a deer's habitat, whether right. it's noise, scent, anytime you get that deer out of his bed, anytime you do that. And maybe I'm a little over the top, but, you know, with us as bow hunters, mm. we're up close and personal with exactly. it. Exactly. You know? uh, I also like to shoot him from a long way with a gun. Yeah. You know, it all makes me smile. Mm-hmm. But um, to me, anything that is disruptive to their natural day-to-day routine it starts changing their pattern so you know that's interesting to me uh you know for one one thing and then this is something my dad actually taught me is you know it's just the whitetail is such a animal that has i think you can learn all there is to learn about them and you can watch them 24 hours a day and you still don't know everything that's about right them. and it's just it's crazy to me that you know they still feel that kind of pressure because my dad used to tell me all the time Man, don't worry about that neighbor of the street slamming the door or honking the horn. Them deer are used to it. Right. But, which is almost contrary to what you're saying as far as how, because anytime they're out of their natural. Right. I mean, a deer's progression, a whitetail's progression is their progression. You know, they, right, sure. They're going to do what they do always. But, right. you know, but it's it's kind of, it's just interesting to me. I mean, I'm, I don't know, man. What do you, you thought? I've never thought about that. You, you would think they would be so used to just the that urban, you know, day-to-day life that you get in a neighborhood now we'll tell you something that it's obviously it's different depends on how close you hunt residentially Mm -hmm. that i've noticed um you can probably get by with a little bit more lax scent control oh really because you're surrounded by homes dryer vents detergents smells things like that i've thought that are not out of place when you go out out here behind Kelby's smelling like a bottle of game. Right, yeah, you're not going to do it. You're going to stand out. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's going to make a difference for That's sure. That's crazy, man. That's um, amazing. I think, you know, you know, with the whole urban deer hunting, um, that's just to me i've been a rifle hunter gosh man i mean since i i mean for 30 years i've been a rifle hunter. But a lot of guys who are you know, deer hunters, well i'm a rifle guy. I've been a rifle guy right. my whole life. I'm a rifle guy. And to be honest, you know, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I used to work at Obsession Bows. Kelby still works there until I actually went to work for an archery company. And it kind of just dawned on me, you know, I am limiting myself incredibly Absolutely. by not picking up a bow. Yeah. Well, you you know, your season doesn't start as soon. Right. You know, uh, but I, one thing I learned is that bow hunting is a great teacher because you can't shoot it when you see it. Man. You're going to see behavior you didn't see because you didn't shoot them. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to watch them out of range. You're going to have to see how they react to stuff. It will make you better. I noticed my gun game off the chart better. Yes. I 
I'm talking about pistol and rifle. Sure. I, I, ever since I picked up a bow, I, for some reason, I, I'm, I'm way more accurate. And, and I think a lot of the guys who are listening, I mean, you you think, well, I don't want to go through the trouble of having to figure all that archery stuff out. I don't want to have to think. But you can go you can go hunt residential. I Absolutely. mean, knocking on a door is actually, and I'll be honest, I mean, I mean, we, we're all from Georgia, so we, I mean, I'm not going down a long country road in, <laughs> in Agtown knocking on the farmer's door. You'll get right. shot before you. I, I don't know how those guys in Ohio and, and Iowa do that. I mean, and, and y'all don't get killed. But, I, I you know, because, I mean, down here in the South, boy, I'm telling you, you are not going to make it 100 yards get up that driveway. And <laughs> any old get off your line here, buddy. I mean, you, right. won't, you won't even hear the guy yell. But in a residential neighborhood, it is a little bit more, uh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, especially if you're not, you don't have a rifle. You know, they're definitely, oh, absolutely. If you're going to shoot your little bow and arrow at the deer, go ahead. Right. You know, I feel like it. Well, back, I found like, like I hit a weird era. Like I used to, when I was young, I'm just at the right age where people used to let everybody hunt on their farms. And then you, right. and that started phasing out. And it started mm-hmm. phasing out because of the way people mistreated property. Right. Uh, livestock, fences, oh the typical God. thing. You've yeah. heard it everywhere. So people, right. you know, liabilities, lawsuits, mm-hmm. all these, you know, that scare people. Yeah. So maybe if uh, if I had a tip, uh, go talk to an attorney, see if they would print up a waiver of liability, uh, explain to your landowner that you're willing to sign a notarized waiver of liability that makes them not responsible. They don't have to carry any insurance over you. Right. Things of those nature. Sometimes those things will comfort somebody into to letting you, you know, on their property to hunt. It, uh, you know, it's not QDMA anymore. Um, they merged with what the American Whitetail or something like that. I, I know. Well, at least previously, QDMA had a. I think it was a pre-negotiated. I think they even sell sold insurance. They did. Yeah. And, uh, you could. You basically purchase your own liability policy, and you know, and and that's, those are good things to have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, anything to make the landowner. I mean, honestly, your landowner is your is your bread and butter. Whether it's, uh, I mean, you know, a homeowner who has five acres behind their house and a you know a little pinched up right you know area, or you know they own two hundred acres you know of ca- cattle farm with all kinds of hardwood behind it. Right. So. so you said something a minute ago about uh, people, you know, figuring out the ins and outs of bow hunting and being intimidated yeah. about whatever. But, you know, like uh, Tori and I came down to get our bows picked up and tuned this weekend mm-hmm. and kind of make around and visit everybody. And, and and as much as I can teach her, it's easier for Kelby that somebody that's, you know, very, very hands-on with this every day within, you know, literally less than a two-minute window and he's corrected problems and could have her driving tax and it's i don't know i wish i, I would like to see more people try it uh, yeah. and not be intimidated by it so what influenced you to start bow hunting it gave me more time to hunt that's as honest as i can mm-hmm. be uh so when i started hunting to say i would have been in alabama deer hunting and um bow season opened at that time about mid-october and went to the end of january i think now it goes about mid-february but um it simply was it gave me the opportunity to get in the woods quicker, and that's what I wanted. And uh, talking about the techniques and all that stuff uh, and my mistakes growing up yeah. is <laughs> I had no teacher. I had a bow and a rest and an arrow. I shot with fingers and no sights, 
I, I learned I, I think that's probably the worst thing I think for a brand new bow hunter when you don't have a mentor or, or somebody to show you. I mean, I was blessed enough to be working at an archery shop sure. when I first got my first bow, but and you know and. Kelby was the one who showed me how to shoot a bow. You know, right. so I actually started developing a lot of bad habits. Like, yes, that is and, that was my worst thing. Yeah. I had, so I mean, what what would you say? I mean, so let's say a guy goes out. He 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 goes down. He gets himself uh, an obsession or a Martin bow. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and he goes out and uh, or she goes out. By the way, um, and that you know they just get started with it. I mean, the internet, YouTube, uh, it's like anything else. There's some great stuff out there. And there's some garbage. And there is complete garbage that will create those bad right. habits. So what would you say to um, a person who's starting and they're trying I would to go, get into it? I would go to my local shop. And if you can find a, I'm going to call it a mom and pop, but a yeah. privately owned place. Absolutely. Uh, I know some guys that work for Bass Pro, one in particular uh, who is an, an incredible archer and teacher. But I also know that some of the guys... They're just doing it for a gig while they're in school, and That's they may it. not have the knowledge base to share. So I would go somewhere, and I would pick those guys' brains. And, and you know, that's kind of up to the shooter to be able to decipher through what's good and what's not. And this is going to step on a lot of archers' toes, I know, because I have a lot of bad habits. Kelby had to see them today. But that started with me, fingers and no sights, learning how to shoot that way. And then I shot with a release out of the corner of an eye socket, and I shot really good, and everybody were like, you know, you'll be killer. you got to go with sights. Right. I had the worst timing issues, the worst sight picture issues. You know, I had, wow. I had a, a, it was rough getting through that. So I like to get people started on the right track. Um, anyway, I got, I got sidetracked. No, you're fine. That. Like, so, you know, I mean, I, I would tell somebody go to a knowledgeable person and start, but you're, this is where I'm going to step on toes. There is no perfect form. There is the form that works for you putting arrows in that target, in that animal, and whatever. You know, I've got right. some bad habits, but look at my wall. Not yeah, exactly. <laughs> the wall doesn't lie. Um, <laughs> no, I definitely get it, man. I mean, I think, you know, especially when it comes to archery, a good bow tech is invaluable. I mean, that's a whole conversation. Um, what would you say, I, I, you know, I almost don't want to even say what this group is, but I'll go ahead and say it. Archery talk. There are good things. Like again, just like the internet. I mean, it, there are good things. And archery talk's not a bad place at all. I mean, right. they're, they're great actually. I sure. mean, the, now the people who run archery talk are do know their stuff and they are right. good. But the, I'm ta- I'm more speaking to the forum culture. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the toxic you, forum culture. It's, it can it's get pretty rough on social there. media. Yeah. yeah. You know, everybody's right. Something. So you take the guy that takes a bottle of deer scent, pours it out, kills a deer that may have come from a different direction and the rest of his life, he's going to preach that that deer scent worked oh, for him, God, you know, yes. and, and you can't tell him any differently. Exactly. Uh, and it also goes, goes back to the ego thing. You know, you were talking about guys, uh, you know, getting set up and learning whatever, that's kind of the same ego thing as not just the knowing the hunting side of it, but on the shooting side of it. Exactly. I mean, men in general, more than women, we don't want to admit we don't know. Right. You know, yeah, the greatest exactly. thing you can do is admit your weaknesses, you know, what you, know, what you don't know. And Humble yourself. <laughs> Humble yourself in front of Kelby. Yes, <laughs> yeah, Kelby. Yeah, Kelby's our, our no mage for uh, all things archery. So Yeah. <laughs> Well, have you always shot a particular bow? I mean, no. Um, 
So I've been really lucky to have some different ties. You know, I told you earlier we were talking about I filmed for Wesley Jones when he was running Unlimited Outdoors. Mm-hmm. He's a Georgia boy. And uh, quadriplegic, if any of you don't know that. You know, he's a pretty incredible guy. Like, we've yeah. got, I've gotten some amazing opportunities with him, which helped me with my kids, you know, foundation stuff. And um, Anyway, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. No, you're good. Um, we, we, like, this is all about being sidetracked. I mean, well, we're, we're, we're good to be sidetracked. Right. I'm sitting here just thinking. We could talk about squirrels if you like want to. Like, that is a whole other chapter <laughs> I just about rolled No, into. don't worry. We'll, we'll work our way to that. <laughs> Mike, you know, every year, um, Ryan, when he gets his free bow, he'll give it away to someone who might that's awesome, not be able to afford one. Yeah, that, that's incredible, yeah. dude. Well, I don't do it for the pat on the back or anything like that. You know, actually, Kelby's one of the few people that knows that, but... What I like to do is, you know, Obsession is a very high line bow, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a quality piece of equipment. Absolutely. So there's, um, there's a lot of guys I know at home that love to hunt, and they're good fathers, and they're you know, or or if it was a female, they're just not going to fit my bow. But if you know, I see somebody that I know won't go spend that money on themselves, but they take care of everybody else, right. and they do the right thing, and they love to hunt, and whatever. I don't say a word. I just pick somebody each year, and then I'll that's awesome. Take my bow, and I give it to them. And and you know what I've noticed about doing that is you create a fan base and obsession. Yeah, you know these you really people, do. it's advertisement. These people, you know, they'll take a bullet for the product, so to speak. Yeah, they love it. It's, it's, but, it's uh, an easy product to take a bullet for. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and not again. We're not biased by any means. I mean, <laughs> maybe, yes, maybe yes, a we, little bit. I am. <laughs> I'm biased. Kelly's biased. <laughs> he pays his bills, but you know, and it did used to pay mine at one time. But the, the, but the, all honesty, I have shot my. I've shot. I've shot them all. I mean, I've shot Matthews, Hoyt, Elite. I, I, I mean, everybody. I mean, yeah. they are great. You know, and we're hey, not. We're we not talked re- about this today. I, I was a bear whitetail guy. Right. Like that's the era that I came in on. So exactly. Uh, speaking of that. And this is we're going to run right we're, down we're another rabbit hole. We're good with it. We had this discussion today, and I feel like if I could tell a new bow hunter just a few little things that they need to know, they may be the greatest target shooter in the world. I'm not, you know, anything like that. The discussion came from someone who was an, you know, an outstanding 3D archer, right? Not accomplished at killing a deer yet. Mm. So we started talking about the little things, and I said the little basic things you can do. And um, number one, always aim at the lowest vital. Yeah, uh, they're going to jump. Two- they will jump. Well, they, I, I won't. I have only had one jump the string on me so far. But then again, this is only three for me. But go ahead. Well, <laughs> the thing about it is, if I told you right now, take off and run. Right. You can't run from an upright position. The first thing you have to do is drop your center of gravity to push off with your legs. Gotcha. That's what a deer does when they jump your string, and they're reacting to sound. Your arrow is traveling. Even the fastest crossbows slower than the speed of sound exactly so your sounds at that animal for this so the greater the distance between you the more important it is that you aim at that lowest vital to give them room to react to drop into your arrow number two and you can look at that two different ways before i get off of that you can it whichever's easiest in your head is either aim at the heart lowest vital or aim at your exit hole from an elevated shooting position if you'll put that pin on this side where you want that arrow to come out on the opposite side Mm. You're, in a sense, you're aiming at the heart. You're on the lowest vital. That was my next question because, I mean, and I've talked to Kelby about this a lot, like, you know, shooting from a stand. Sure. I mean, because, I mean, obviously, I mean, especially if, you know, let's say if a guy's in an apartment, you know, right. you know, or maybe he rigs up something in there and he's right. got 
probably doesn't even have five yards to shoot across the room or something. But, right. you know, I mean, for me, I'm in a neighborhood. So sure. I've got at the max for my backyard. I had used to have a huge backyard and I could mm-hmm. go all the way to 60 or 70 if I wanted to. But now I've got kind of a little bit smaller. It's probably 30, uh, 30 yards is probably my max. That's probably the whole width of my backyard. Sure. And that's all the yardage I have to practice with. I mean, that's a problem in itself. But also, um, you know, and honestly, I don't think all that would ever shoot at a deer if it wasn't right. within that. Because, I mean, and if I'm not confident, I'm not going to take a shot at that animal. Uh, 55 is my longest. And, and realistically, it, it probably was maxing out yeah. you know, my abilities in timber. But look, the part of the world we live in, most of our shots in bow range are going to be pretty up close. Yeah, 12 especially. to 20 yards. You know, if you get in my wheelhouse, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, but sh- shooting from the stand. I mean, that right. that to me... I think, you know, the first deer I ever shot at with a bow, when I, I called Kelby, I was like, dude, I think I got it, but I don't think I, and he was like, well, have you shot from a stand before? I was like, well, like, n- n- no, not really. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And like, there were, I was like, I was sitting in pictures like, dude, do you think that's a hair? Like, do you think that's a hair on the broadhead? I can't, he never responded. <laughs> like, he doesn't respond to half my stuff. <laughs> He don't respond to half of anything I say to him. If, if you hit him, you'll know you hit him. <laughs> yeah, right. If it's a good shot, you'll know you hit him. It was one of those big old bladey brad cat broadheads. I know if I and I knew yeah. if I popped him or something, but oh my gosh, yeah, it was a. I mean, it, I buried that sucker in some dirt. I mean, yeah. and I, and it, was, it was a twenty yard shot, That's and I was right. like, I've killed but, a few rocks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I've, I've killed some a bunch trees. of them, dude. I, 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 I knocked that crap out of some tree I, mean, I think i definitely got so i definitely scored some wood for sure you but when you're in this when you're in the tree you it's all you, you it's really important to keep your you know keep that posture right you know so it was part of that same conversation yeah, today this. um so tree stand shooting uh technology is great you got all these range finders now and the arc technology and all these you know basically compensate your angle and where to aim what throw it out you know, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes, but the, the more simple you keep your gear and your process, the better you're going to be at crunch time because we don't live in a part of the world where you get the liberty to say, hang on a minute, let me make some yeah. adjustments. Hold on, stop right there. got to do some calculating. Man, stop. Yeah, hit him with the mark. No. <laughs> hit him with the mark. <laughs> so uh, real simple things I've done for years, and I still do to this day. I rarely use a range finder in a tree. From my really? from my tree, I will step off a 20 and a 30. Hmm. And when I am climbed, I can look at those marks or trees, and as if I'm the center point of the compass, anything in that circle, you can just imagine a perfect circle around you, so it immediately eliminates one step you might think you have to do. Right. And... Anyway, that's kind of you know going another way, but back so back to the aiming at the lowest thing. If the simplest way for me to look at the trajectory thing, mm. aim at the heart is easiest for me, right? Uh, uh, or hold your pin basically on this side of the animal where you want it to come out on the other side of the animal. Gotcha. That makes sense. For right. Your it makes sense. I think you know where I messed up. I think what I did, I, I broke my form. Sure, you tried I, to shoot and look. Right, exactly. Right. I think that was the, my biggest problem because I was number one. I was stoked. I mean, yeah. If that, I, if mean, that, I mean, I, I still get a little bit of a jazz when the dang when a doe comes out. Absolutely, I mean, it does it. I, I do. Mean, but I, if if you lose that, it, stop. 
Yeah, it's, exactly. You know, start a new hobby. Exactly. I mean, what's the, what are you even doing? You know? I think <laughs> but, I missed the first three deer I shot at. I was just so pumped. Oh, I bet oh, I missed the God. first 30 I shot. I didn't have anybody even telling me what I was doing wrong. Oh, I, was, I, I missed at least two with a rifle, I mean, when I first started. I, I, mean, I shouldn't tell this one myself, but it's too tell funny. It, tell it, dude, tell it. <laughs> I shot a whole quiver full of arrows at one time. <laughs> and, and, of course, it was... It was a doe, and I was young, and I shot one, and I missed, and it ran up the hill and stopped, and I I, I got drawn again, and I launched, and I swacked right under it, and it was on a hillside, and it jumped, and it ran. Anyway, I ended up dumping four arrows at this deer watching it yes, run off. Yes, dude. I'm telling you. I mean, I, th- that, it's a process. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like, you know, for me, like, that was a, the, the first, the deer I missed was a doe. I mean, and, yeah. but I was so excited. I was like, man, I'm about, I am about to drill one I'm about to yeah. drill this dough down she was fat I could just taste the sausage in, in the back strap <laughs> right away I mean I'm ready to go that's right I should have said taste the sausage but you yeah, know well, but god hey. dang it deer sausage is delicious <laughs> it is deer sausage is delicious but you know the but you know I I broke my form sure. from the stand and I think that was the you know because one you know I think I think one thing you told me was like or Kelby told me since people can't see I I, I dropped your front. You pulled your peep away from your face. Well, no, I, I mean, my peep was on, but like, I, I, I think I tried to push down with my left, my left arm dropped. Yeah. But the, the waist. yeah, right. I did not bend at the waist. And I think right. that's, and that's, I mean, to me, that's one of the hardest things I think you can do. You know, I, I think when you, when you, cause I mean, I'm telling you, man, I was, I was, I mean, this is back when I had my big yard. I mean, I was destroying targets at 40 yards right. i mean it, i mean i learned that from gun hunting you know you can my dad used to always say you can't eat paper yeah, you know sure. <laughs> you can't eat can't eat foam either you know so i mean um, that, that that was one of the things that i think that i had the hardest time with right just going from one to the other well it, and it's true and so if you ever look at a 3d target of mine you'll see that the heart region like the, what would anatomically be correct for a live deer right. will be shot to pieces because i want my mind you know, I want why, that don't to they, be why don't they make those inserts like where I mean, they're, 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 more they're always like in the gut, like yeah. her back far <laughs> lung. And it's like, I don't want to practice shooting there because if I do that, then, you know, right. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, yeah. So like I'll, I'll have definitely, I'll go through one of those cheap Walmart deer, sure. uh, 3D deer targets like at, at no time at all, because right. I mean, I'll just destroy the front part where they don't have the, the little thing that swaps out. Right. So anyway, back to the simple things. Um, Getting your yardage picked ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. That's one step. If you're in a field, put a rock out there. If you're in a blind, put a stick, something you can see. Give yourself two reference points, 20, 30, whatever your comfort zone is. Mm-hmm. And you can gauge anything else off those. So that's that takes us simplifies the step. I typically do the same thing. I normally don't have a range finder right. when I'm deer hunting. It's just I'll walk it off, risk use it? trees as reference points. Yes, right. I mean, I think, you know, just deer hunting in general, the last thing you want to do is have to make a swap from one thing. Right. I mean, I, we've already got, I don't know how much gear you guys carry. I try to not carry as, as little gear as I can. I try but, to keep what I need and a very little bit of what I could need, depending right. on how far deep of a trek I might be on or, you know, how long I may plan on sitting. Like, I, I've seen guys go into the, the woods. I mean, they look like they're going duck hunting. They got like yep. 55 calls. Like, dude, what yeah. in the heck? do you need all that crap for i mean but you know the, the what the point i'm trying to make is like i mean uh, to me i think that's a the, one of the, uh, also great advice i mean if you're that yardage i mean i still use i'm using yeah. range finder because i'm still in, in my opinion until i 
drill a buck, I can put on my wall. I'm still a pretty new boo. I'm a hunter to me. You know, I can no, kill you'll never days. stop learning. Right. But, uh, but my thing is, you know, y'all talking about picking out these these reference points. Sure. You know, y'all have seen those, I mean, at Walmart, you know, I think they're for like, if you want to like the little luminous, what do you call them? They're like, you use them for like fine trails and stuff or mark deer stands. Am I like glow sticks yeah. or the like, night tags? Night tags. Yeah, that's it. Gotcha. I thought that I was thinking you know, that that's that was my idea this year. Okay, I'm gonna go. Find, I'm gonna get in my stand. I'm gonna find you know my 20 yard reference point on the left to the sure. right and do that. I mean, it's, I don't know. Is that a good idea or is that just well foobar? It's gonna be really hard to see something that small from gotcha. your stand. Probably, it's probably I right. would mark specific landmarks. Gotcha. Uh, another thing, while we're on the, these subject, simple things that I try to teach yeah. people, eyeball all your scenarios. As the sun's setting. Mm. All right, so know where your limbs are. Because as it starts to fade, those small limbs and twigs and sticks and things where your deer may stop, if you know where they're there, you know when not to shoot. That is a great preseason. It is. Uh, uh, if you don't have time to trim a limb. You know, and you don't want to... Uh, so one thing I do, I try to trim the cover I have to. I keep cover by me. Exactly. But when I'm cutting stuff away, I will try to leave some small foliage that's closer to the deer's head because it gives them something to put their eyes behind for me to move or draw. That is gold. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, you know, I, I never thought of that. It's, you know, if you think about it, if you cut everything out of the way, except for up there, you're wide open. Right. If you leave, leave your spots in your lanes and just something for, you know, they're going to pass their head by. Another thing we talked about today was stand placement, not just location of the wear and the height and all that. But if you're a left-hand shooter or a right-hand shooter, don't ever face your stand where you think your shot's going to be. Turn it to where you're shooting off. Like if you're a righty. Turn your stand to the right where you've got full swing, even seated. You can shoot everything over your left shoulder. You know, like set yourself up to be in better shape in any of those situations before anything's standing in front of you. You know, don't get up there and be turned the wrong way. And uh, another simple thing we talked about today a lot of people overlook is, to me, one of the hardest parts about bow hunting is drawing your bow. Yeah. Not the physical weight of pulling it, but not getting busted in a tree. So, yeah. you know, if you can get stood and get in position or whatever it is you need to do, you know, if the deer's feeding or its eyes are really round, no matter where its head is, it's looking in a 360-degree circle. Yep. If its eyelids are almond-shaped and relaxed, it's a lot less focused on what's going on around it. It's calm. If it raises up and looks away from you, but its ears are pointed back at you, it's going to hear you move and draw your bow. If its eyes and ears are forward and cupped away from you, you're good to go. That's your time to move. But it's the simple things like that that they get overlooked, and you're like, well, I got busted drawing my bow or, you know, whatever. And those are those simple things nobody taught me. I had to mess up a lot, and I yeah. try to teach anybody that I'm trying to help bow hunting. One thing I did back here behind the house when I cleared off my food plot area, mm-hmm. I had him push the brush in specific areas to funnel your deer. To funnel my That's deer. That's a great thing to yeah. do if you've got to, if you can. If you, you can, know? Yeah, yeah. If you tactically moving them, I think you know that that's actually when I when I do when I trim limbs, mm-hmm. that's the first thing. I mean, you know, my nephew when we were showing him how to, he was like, "So why do we have to move all these land?" I'm like, <laughs> "Dude, there's a purpose." He's like, "It just what's the point? It's the right. woods. Leave it on the ground." I'm like, "No, no, 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 dude. <laughs> these limbs." He's like, "But why are we?" He's like, "Dude, trust me. Right? This well, matters. Hey, deer hunting's I mean, all year long. You <laughs> it's, know. it's all year long, but." 
you know that that's a, that's a great thing actually. You know that are, the guys are talking about is uh, you know when you set up a stand, you know, and maybe we should go into that. You know, um, I think you know when you, when I, I know for how I do it when I walk into a piece of property, and the first thing I'm thinking about, I want to know right where the north is. Right. If I know where north is, because I mean that's our prevailing in our area. That's right. our prevailing one. I, I know it's probably different in other parts of the country. But yeah, we're we're uh, southwest. Y'all southwest. Yeah, we wow. we catch a lot of southwest. Um, and I and this is funny if it doesn't tell you how deer move by patterns. A lot of my best spots, I have to have an east wind to hunt. Yeah, which means the deer are so used to that common wind pattern that that's where they naturally travel. I have really? to have an opposite wind to get in there and hunt some of those spots. You know, and, and I'll be honest. I mean, and th- honestly, people, this is exactly why I want to talk to people like Ryan. So my <laughs> my biggest challenge. My property, the way it's kind of laid out, and, and I think a guy who is in a hunting club, that they, they probably need this information more than anybody. Access. Yes. God. I mean, to me, it can make or break you. I've got, I've got forty-eight acres that my dad and I hunt together. Right. And it, it's a great piece of property, but it is just not situated in a, right. such a way that I can get in there and not. I'm going to get busted if I don't go one certain way, and that's not always from Good. the south, uh, right? Which I, which like I said, in our situation, the prevailing winds north. Typically, I mean, I guess if you wanted to draw it perfect, yeah, I mean, if you could come, if your prevailing winds from the north, you can come in from the south, vice yeah. versa. I mean, you need to have access points in all all directions if you can, right? Um, but that's a you know. I, I, sometimes I, that's just one thing. I, I don't know. My mind just turns to jello on it. I don't know why. Well, it's stupid, but I mean, but at the same no, time, I mean, I, you know, I, it's we important. talked earlier about scent control, right? And and, and and I'm OCD. Like the whole thing, you know. Like I use all free and clear mm-hmm. on all of my laundry, so that there's no residual perfumes and dyes when right. I when I use my hunting soaps for my hunting clothes. Exactly. You know, it maybe I'm OCD about it. I bag up everything. I keep it away from household smells. Oh, yeah. You know, we just just the, the, the typical over the top bow hunting stuff. Gotta be. And no matter how much, I will always try to hunt the wind. And I think the hardest thing for me or anybody to do is to not go after that deer you got on camera if the wind is even remotely wrong. Yeah. And it's hard because it cuts down the days you have to hunt that deer. Oh, absolutely. And it'll wear you out mentally. You know, you're, you know, he's going to, somebody's going to get him or he's going to do this or he's going to do yeah. And I've done it, but uh, I've also learned that if you can control yourself and go hunt a different stand, leave it alone, yeah. go to a different property, I think that's probably a, a big factor in me successfully killing some of the deer that I've been after. Right. So, I mean, if from an access point of view, if it's if the wind is just not going to be your friend, leave, him alone. Point, leave it alone. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know, a good thing. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think from a guy who's in a, who's in a deer hunting club. Sure. I mean, we've all been in deer hunting clubs. We know how they, I mean, besides the crazy rules that sometimes mm-hmm. you can come across, but I mean, typically I would say what maybe, would y'all agree that, you probably have two personal spots and maybe one or two club stands you can usually right. get to. You know, um, I would agree. And, I, uh, and, and those spots can be anywhere from what two acres to five to something like that. Oh yeah. I mean, it just depends on how many acres you get, but and that that's the whole conversation itself. But I mean, I would think that's even a bigger challenge and a harder thing to deal with because that guy's probably got he's got 
typical guy or girl. I'm sorry, there are ladies that hunt. Right. You, you, you there's one get, in there. She'll whip me. If I, I know, dude. I'm, I know. She's. I'm gonna wait for her to come back out here. So, uh, women too. I'm gonna stab him with a fork. Right. <laughs> but he, you know, that person has, you know, very limited options. Yes. But I mean, and I've been trying to. I mean, I've been kind of stewing this whole question in my mind. Like, I is. I hate, and again, I'm not anti-public land. I'm very, I do like public land, right. but I think that might be your answer. That is, that's your days to go. That's your day to, to hit the learn, public land. Yes. So if you if you're after a deer, you know, old big Ned's been showing up on your camera, and you know the wind's wrong. Don't go. Yeah. I'm just telling you, you will. He didn't get old being dumb. No. You know, I don't know. Everybody listening is is 90 percent of them are smarter, and most of them are probably better hunters than me. But right, it goes back to what I said. I know something you don't know, and you know something I don't know. Exactly. So throw the ego out. This is not a competition. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see us all standing on top of the mountain with our, you know, Absolutely. successes than to to see somebody fail. Exactly. Um, that's why I guess you know we we do try to teach what we teach. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, thinking of thinking into that spot, and I, and I've seen this deer. I know he's there. You get, you get to the hunting gate, you shut the gate, and you're like. Man, I know I really shouldn't go in here. Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. And I know if I just ease across the ridge over there, mm-hmm. and then you know, my daddy will probably. My dad, he's the worst. I'm, I'm sorry, dad, but my dad will. <laughs> my dad go if I just sorry, well, if I slip on the other guy's property for like about twenty yards on the yeah, line, and I I'll come get across. Around him. I'll get around it that way, and just like <laughs> don't throw your dad under the bus, dude. Like all right, let me tell you something. Y'all don't need me to let that. Joker, you, I don't, and there's not, I do not need to, I will not divulge. The DNR will be at his house tonight. This jump was not even hit the internet. They just by it being recorded. The day, the some of the stuff I could tell y'all, the DNR will be at his house tonight to arrest him. But anyway, <laughs> I think we've all had our, I've had my run-ins with the DNR a couple of times, but not bad, nothing bad, nothing bad, nothing real. Anyway, yeah, I, I just, um, I think that's just that's a big thing. You know, it's hard yeah. to like go just say, hey, it's hard, hard, hard. You pay not money to for that property. Yeah. But if you think about it, you pay money for public land too. You just don't realize it. I think a lot of it comes with experience, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't mean no. Yeah, I, I really just simply mean you get to a point where you realize no matter you're not gonna beat him in his own game trying to squeak around. Oh, you're, no. you're just not. Just lay off of him. You know, I, this year I got after a deer, uh, real solid deer. He'll he'll push one forty as an eight point in my part of the world. That's a that's a, that's big, a big deer one in Alabama. And uh, it's a big one in Georgia. It's a big one in Georgia too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had been after this deer, you know, velvet, and I wanted him bad, and I drew on him like oh. in velvet. Like I wasn't expecting him to be where he was. It was one of those hunts. Actually, Tori, I was knocked out and hunted hard day after day after day. And, She's like, just go try it one more time. It's the yeah. only time I had the wind. I had about three or four hours before it shifted, so I did. And here he comes. I mean, just his summer pattern. Is, and I'm thinking, I'm facing kill him, you know. And he yeah. goes to my right, and I'm turned and twisted and trying to make that awful shot. And then he comes back, and he is he goes behind a tree, and I draw, and he's fixing to step in the edge of a field. And a doe blows at something down the road. It's winds in it, my dude. face. And he what just is it with the women always <laughs> stepping on it, man. I mean, it's like just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, so he bolts. Like he didn't even run far. He just bolts. And I was just, you know, sick. Oh, so man. fast forward to hard horned. Uh I didn't even go back in there until yeah. I randomly had the wind again. 
And uh, I got to give a shout out to Angela and Dennis on their bow hunter setup. Um, oh God, I, yes. it is a good product. That's I, not a gimmick, people. I mean, no. we're not trying to sell it necessarily, but I mean, my God, I'm telling works. you, like, I am not a scent guy. No, but there is a couple of things that if I tell you, I believe in. I am not trying to get you to fail. Like, I, that is one mm, of them, and exactly. it's worked for years. So this deer came, and he. And he was coming. Wind was good. And he got past me before I could get a shot. Uh, and there was a young buck in there, and they were kind of having that weird, that you know, stare down. Yeah. And the deer was under me, and I couldn't move. And he got downwind of me, and he stopped, and he walked. Bristled posture, but he came straight back in there and put his nose to the bush. I sprayed that on, and that's it. That was his demise. Dang. But... Uh, <laughs> I've seen it work different ways. I've seen them eat it off leaves. I've seen them, you know, whatever it is, whatever magic recipe, I firmly believe. But I will tell you where we might not agree, but, you know, with how they recommend using it, I am a big using moderation guy. Absolutely. I think you can overpower anything. Anything. Any product. Yes. I I will say this. I mean, uh, I I particularly like BFO or Bow Hunters Fatal Fatal Obsession. Obsession. You know, we call it BFO, but... That stuff, I mean, that was a. I like it for a lot of different things. I mean, it works great for mock scrapes. Sure, um, but your, you know, your 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 own piss actually works great right. for mock scrapes too. But uh, but I will say this: I can't put my own piss on the bottom of my boots and have a deer climb <laughs> right. the stand, which literally happened to me and my dad. I mean, seriously, my dad had a uh, had a buck try to. I mean. Was it was a young buck, but it thing was climbing. I mean, this this wasn't even during the rut. This was probably early, probably I think it was like late archery season. He, right. I mean, he had a buck try to climb the tree on this stuff. I wow. mean, and we're not trying to sell you guys any kind of snake oil or anything like no, that. I, not I don't know. I, I mean, we're just telling you what has worked for us. And yes. obviously, we have some a close relationship with Angela and Dennis Lewis. Yeah, but, mine is you know. by fluke. Uh, I, I didn't actually know, so I used it years ago. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Right. I had deer follow me to tree, you know, just all this. And I loved it. And then I think they had maybe a deal with another archery company. It sold temporarily. Yeah. And I think they messed it up a bit. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we had this random discussion at the ATA show, I guess it's two or three years ago. And Angela started smiling. I said, what? She said, that's my product. And I said, <laughs> you're kidding me. She's like, do you want some? And I was like, yeah. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> so, Angela, dude, I'm telling you, I, I, I usually hit her up in the spring. I'm like, hey, just so you know, I, I need my case. Yeah. I'm going to need <laughs> I, I some pay, I'll pay you whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I, just I, need my I case. ordered for a bunch of guys, you know, just made an order to get it in some guys' hands mm-hmm. that had used it in the that, past. That's exactly or knew, what I do with And it. then a lot of them, I just give it. Yeah, you know, that's hey. exactly what I do with it. A lot of it. I mean, I, I buy it for that reason. I right. mean, because I believe in it that much. But you know, I, again, we're not trying to sell you guys, you know, scrape juice. But it, my, I mean, I'm telling hey, you, it works. It uh, works. I went to my farm in Pike County, and I actually took a scraper bottle, the dripper bottles, mm-hmm. and I took the big, uh, the pro bottle, sells, the pro bottle, the pro bottle, and poured yes. it in, and I just made a mock scrape. Now this is in in the summer. And I started getting yeah. deer oh. pictures. Uh, Scott Lopez, we'll call oh. him out. Hey, Scott, Lopez Scott Lopez is one that turned me on. He taught you everything you know. He, last place Lopez. Last place Lopez. LPL taught LPL. me a lot. 
I love Scott, but he uh, he's got he, some good tracking dogs. He does. He's just fanatic, man. Yeah, we're, he's Ziva gonna he's gonna be on Athena. the show. He's one of the, he? he's the next episode. Man, yeah. that's good. Ziva and Athena are bad. I love watching mm-hmm. them on Face Place. I wish we were closer. Like I've needed them for some of our guys. A I almost times. had a call him last year. Yeah, well, we found him though. Luckily, he's a. Uh, He's something, but yeah. but it was he was actually the one that told me about making the mock scrape with that early yeah. and and the results he'd had and he's right he's exactly I did it last year and it worked wonders it was awesome yep it was good it would help me get an inventory on a farm in a place that I couldn't be you know yeah. you don't just drive to Pike County Illinois from North Alabama to check your cameras and turn around and come home you know you got to plan a weekend and go up there and do whatever yeah. so. That's what I did in Alabama. I mean, for I mean, and you know, I, for those of you who doesn't know what Ryan means by you know taking inventory, uh, you know, if you're a new hunter, uh, you know, your trail cam, you know, is, isn't just to get pretty pictures. You know, yeah, it's an actually a really great tool. And what he means by getting inventory of your deer, you know, you don't we can't be obviously we can't be in the woods all the time. But when our we run those trail cameras, we want to see what we've got. Uh, I don't. I don't know, man. I, some people claim that they can get their buck to doe ratio just off one camera. I, you know, the, I, I think that's a little. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think if you have I thirty t- cameras, I don't think I'm good enough. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. not. I don't think I'm good enough to get a ratio. I might get you close, based on what you know the DNR yeah. would suggest you do. Yeah, exactly. But I, I can't. I, I, I can't. can't I never that. call it. But but beyond that for those of you i mean the main thing is what bucks are there and that also varies in the summer it varies it in the winter it varies in the fall you know one of my greatest things to make fun of the guys in our leases with is they start boasting about their velvet bucks oh, and i, I say that's good velvet. they're gonna be there on that's the right they're like man i got this and this and this and i'm like i am so glad you're showing me those because i'm gonna show them I to know. the back of my truck right dude <laughs> Hey guys, it's Mike. I wanted to take a quick minute and take a break from the show and tell you about one of our partners, Fatboy Blinds out of Reynolds, Georgia. Fatboy Blinds offers tower stands, ground blinds, deer feeders, all kinds of different types of customizable window configurations for the blinds, tinting, ceiling, you name it. I'm telling you, these guys are going to do it for you. One of the best things I think about this company is they offer an actual staircase that goes up to their tower stands. I know for me, I have two small kids. I've got a dad that's not as mobile as he used to be. So this is a great option for my family. Guys, we spend a lot of time doing projects like a tower stand or a blind or a feeder when we should really be looking for scrapes, rubs, travel, corridors, all the things that really do matter. A company like Fatboy Blinds is going to save you tons of time. And to be honest, time is money. So why tie it up in something like a long building project that's going to take you weekends, hours and hours of time? Even for those of you guys who are pretty handy, it's still a lot of time and effort. Also, one of the best things about Fatboy Blinds is if you're in the Georgia area, they will come to your property with your brand new blind standard feeder and drop it off exactly where you want it with their forklift i mean (laughs) how awesome is that that's just one less thing you have to worry about having to do again time saved so guys reach out to fat boy blinds in reynolds georgia at 478-973-5315 that's 478-973-5315 ask to speak to walker he's going to get you set up Uh, they're also on facebook and instagram so reach out to him on any of their social media or just contact them by phone. Guys, get yourself a fat boy.
That's how whitetails are. They 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 will have, they they have a summer range and they, they do. have a fall range. They absolutely do. And you know, there's a lot of um, like you said, you can know everything in the world about a whitetail, but you don't ever know anything. But a lot of the pecking order in in bucks is established in velvet. Really, it doesn't actually come to blows. I you know, I did not know that. Right. So have you ever so how does wondered, that how does that work? Oh, you're about to tell me how it works, and I'm just well. Have you ever wondered? I'm just bum rushing your conversation. No, right yeah, you <laughs> so if you've got a group of bucks. They're pals all summer. Well, you know the cycle. You know how it happens. Right, the bachelor you know? and, and I know, you know, I feel like I'm talking to people way above my league, but to anybody or anybody that might not know. So you got your summer bucks. They're hanging out. They're friends. Everything's good until hormone levels start going up. Velvet starts coming off. Mm-hmm. Antlers are hardened, and then they start getting a little upset with each other, a little yeah, mad right. at each other, and a little territorial, and then they're going to fight over women. Mm-hmm. and and then at the end of the year, we're going, but why are we mad at each other? You know, I saw her with two different that's bucks. Like, that's year. like any dude. That's <laughs> like, you just been around a bunch of dudes a it's, bunch of while. It's all primal stuff. <laughs> what it's you all looking it at, dude? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't like the way you looked at me just then. So a lot of that stuff, and people, here's another thing that you got to understand, is the the oldest buck is not always the dominant buck. Yeah. The biggest horns are not always the dominant buck. You can have... I have seen a two-year-old buck cower down three and four-year-old bucks in a fight. It's about attitude. It's wow. you know, it's, it's it's so it really is about how much. I mean, just how much you know, much of a man they are. I mean, that's it. The baddest guy on the block the, ain't necessarily the baddest got the biggest mother on the block. Yeah. Is, is the dominant buck in there? I mean, that's it. You know, I, I, I feel like I know that and I knew that, but. Well, you get it's caught. Weird. It's so easy to get caught up in because you're I'm caught you know, up in the five and a half year old buck that's been out there for you know right? yeah. And I, I get like that. I out mean, for you know to be polite, I had a deer that I affectionately named a hole, <laughs> and uh, there, he was a, a kind of a scrub seven point. He was as big as my little hunting truck. You know, I God mean, he was dog. just old. And if he ever showed up in an area, every buck I had on camera left. Oh my he God. would literally run them off. So, and you know that's part of what you know people wonder: Where did my bucks go? What happened? Well, you've probably got one in there running them off. It yeah, may not be you. I never thought of that. I never thought of that. Yeah. God. Um, <laughs> yeah, just like you've got one in there. This is he's just going to run them all off because mm-hmm. he's just that much of a bad a. Oh my God! He best bets to murder him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If I could, you know, we've got a um, you know the property that I hunt. We've got. Um, I think this is a good thing too, and in both of y'all's opinions on this, I think I've got a lease. It's forty-eight acres. It's just my, it's just me and my dad. But the neighbors next door, I met my neighbors for the first time this year, mm-hmm. and I, I think that was. I think you know when you're a hunter, especially if you've got a, a lease that is just you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're even a hunt club, I guess you could say. But that was probably one of the best things ever because. Number one, they were nice guys, you know. Right. I, ooh, shout out to Mr. Smitty. He's awesome. <laughs> but um, but he shares trail cam picks with me. I, he's, that is the best asset you've got in your toolbox. Exactly. Not everybody will do that. No, 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 not everybody will do that. And I and I think I think as hunters, I think that's what one thing we have to yes get your butt off it's your shoulders. The ego. I mean, throw it out. Get it out. Get rid of it. It's stupid. I mean, we could all kill bigger deer. Sure. If we all try to work together. I mean, populate if anything from population to control to but if you're actually seriously hunting a big buck, yeah. I mean, come on, man. I mean, if well, we, can, we can your camera, your camera and my camera running, getting the same deer, you can compare notes. It doesn't mean you might not kill him or you might not kill him. Right? He's fair game. Exactly. But 
it helps you know where his core area exactly. is. It helps you put a better plan together. And that's probably the greatest asset I have in my leases is I've got guys that we've whittled down over the years. I hate to say that. It's not a matter of greed because we, we spend our whole season giving it away to everybody. But right. we've killed some of the deer we've been after simply because we're willing to – look out for each other check each other's cameras yeah. nobody goes in spots you know like we really have an honor code that's yeah it's pretty phenomenal guys that are new hunting with us they can't quite wrap their head around it you know yeah it's like well what do you mean what do you mean you guys uh, i mean we, yeah, yeah that there's a property line and everything <laughs> but you know right. i mean but we talk i mean and i think uh, I, and to be honest i've been hunting the area for uh four years this guy's been hunting this area for 15 years. Right. So if anybody knows that area and he's that gonna herd, know. he's going to know everything. There is a there is a buck on our property that's got to be 13. Yeah. It has to be. He, I mean, and and, and he's, he's huge, obviously. But, I mean, and he, he said, believe it or not, he's died down. And yeah. I would have never known that. Right. You know, and you, you, know, you get those people who try to tell you, oh, I can guess the age of that whitetail nah. right there off that picture. I'm going to tell you, man. And this joker could be like, yeah, he would have been three. I, I guarantee you half the internet would have called this deer. Oh, he's four and a half. He's five. Right. No, this deer's 13, right. son. 13. I killed one, I think, that that I know of we aged was they guessed nine and a half. God, and then God. last year I shot one that by pictures we believed to be 11 and a half. Good. And he wasn't even, he was a huge body deer. He was just a giant six that we'd been trying to kill. And he walked right in behind the doe in a place nobody had ever seen him before. God almighty. You know? That's wild. Um, you know, there's a lot to cover in a podcast. You yeah, can't oh, cover God, it. Dang it, man. I mean, just, <laughs> you just, you just had the conversation and go with it, you know? But, um, man, I, I, I just I, like I'm serious, man. I think that that's one of the biggest. Like you said, it's the biggest asset to have a great relationship with you your did, neighbors. Right. But what I mean, you know, I, I guess my, you know, I think some people would be like, dude, but you don't know the re- retards that hunt next to me. Right. They well, are, the mentality of if I let it go, they're gonna kill it. Yeah. Yeah. That hurts a lot. That hurts. Know. That hurts everybody. It does. You know, I mean, and I, but I, I get now it. on the other side of that, I get. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend. People for shooting what their trophy is. I don't care what your trophy it's is. It's an eye beholder, man. It's, it's Kelby's right. Had to, Kelby and, had to tell me that because I, I shamed my own self. Right. This you past you year. know, buck yeah. shaming, uh, stuff that I see on the internet. It's I get awful. so tired of how old and what will he score. And Facebook's horrible. It's number terrible. one, if he's dead, he's as old as he's going to be. And number two, <laughs> uh, who cares what he scores? If it made you pick up right. your weapon and your heart got up. Good for you. I shot an eight pointer one time, and I was just learning. I think this is when the Huntwise app first came out. I love Huntwise, by the way. God, I hope they give me free stuff or give me a <laughs> opportunity. But you know, I love Huntwise. I, I seriously use it all the time. But I, I, I thought it was, there used to be this old app that I thought it was really similar to. So I uploaded a picture of a, it was a decent seven pointer. I mean, it was nice. Um, I thought he, I mistook him for a nine pointer that I, we, we've been, that we had on camera that I just, I thought it was him. And right. it was one of those situations. It was thick. I knew it was, I, by the way, I knew what the hell I was shooting at people. Please don't, sh- I can't stand people. Oh, yeah. I just saw horns or I saw fur and shot. Right. I mean, that's like Hunter Safety 101. I, 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 I look, you're nobody's that badass. I mean, they're just not. But, you know, I, look, it, it's, it's unsafe too. It's one right. of the reasons I don't hunt public, you know, but, but I will. I am breaking that this yes, year. Yes, I'm going to break you that. Break habit. me that. I'm I'm, I'm going hunting public this year. But uh, the, anyway, I shot this deer and I and and I took a picture with it and I 
posted it on the app. And there was a guy, and, and, and I creeped this dude's profile because he was talking smack to me, but, you know, <laughs> and he did kill big deer. But he, made, he was like, gosh, that had great genes. I can't believe oh, yeah. you shot that deer. You know, you know, guys like you shooting, pee, you know, shooting deer who have all the potential in the world. That's why there's no big... And, you know, but I will say that to the, to the faithful, real whitetail deer hunters who came to my defense said, look, if that deer makes that guy happy, yeah, you know, you know, and honestly, you know, and I think, you know, all uncle Ted Nugent, I mean, he had one of the best rants I've ever heard him have, you know, you know, if you got a guy who gets two days a year off absolutely, and he goes out there and sits in a stand, he paid his lease. He, he, yes. he did what he had to do and he shoots a pinhead. Who cares? Who cares? Is he happy? Is he getting meat? Well, it's we've Shut got a mouth. couple of out of towners. Yeah, they get exactly. Maybe two, three weekends a year. I say let them. And they shoot come it. in and they shoot deer. Yeah. And I don't care. Yeah. Simply because it makes them happy. Exactly. And truth of the matter is, you want to take deer off property. We do have. We've got a very liberal. Like we're three does a day. Yeah, especially over there and where you guys. Right. Are so we're thick. That buck's gonna eat the same or more than one doe off the bread. You know, you're you're still balancing your exactly. herd out. Um, so just, I don't know, stop shaming people. Exactly. Deer shamers are the worst. Yeah, yeah, they are. Don't be a dick. <laughs> That's right. Stop being a dick. Don't be a deer yeah. dick. Yeah, don't, don't be a deer dick. <laughs> um, I think us as a hunting community, we have to do a whole lot better with you know, yeah, not only deer shaming. Trying to stop trying right. to. It's not trying to judge age on a on a trail cam picture. Just stop it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I I've been around a lot of deer pens. Uh, I've I've got a lot of whitetail experience just randomly. Yeah. You know, like I've just spent a lot of my time and passion and energy doing this, and I'll be the first to tell you, past unless I've known the deer and he's so distinct that he's every year I know it's him. Past four and a half on a quick judge. I'm not gonna tell you I know that it's and and to me, you know, if it's four and a half, that you're in danger if you're four and a half years old right. you're around me. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, and if I shoot a deer that's smaller than that and he made me happy, so be it. Yeah, exactly. I mean I mean I think last year, you know, I think I called him fork tongs or steak tong or something like that. Because he just he had those two they were yeah. big. And you know, I was like, Oh, this deer's gonna be great in a few years. I remember when I was taking my inventory on that, I was like, This deer's gonna be great in a few years. Right. Well, I see him, I'm gonna let him walk. Or, you know, if my net that's another thing too. If you have your like I have my nephew, I, I take him on and I said, But you know, that'd be a great first buck for my nephew. Right. And let him shoot it or you know, whatever. So anyway, my ne- my nephew shot a button buck, uh, for his first buck and he'd already gotten that out of the way. And so I'm sitting in the stand. I've only killed a doe that uh, last year, and so I was like I really needed meat, and this guy, this deer just he stepped out and he just stood there. He already broke off one of his his steak tongs, and he's looking fat. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, the the free, my my freezer is just not leveled off just right yet. And trigger I, finger got you in trouble, uh, didn't it? I said so. I mean, this might have been irresponsible, but I I, I tried to self film it. I'll show it to you guys later. It's fantastic, <laughs> and I'm just. I just kind of so I'm like I got the I've got the camera like on one hand and then I've got the gun in the other and I'm like and I'm I don't have like a gun rest so I'm kind of freehanding this with my knee and I'm like is this responsible is this what I should be doing probably not so I'm probably I'm gonna do it and you know just to see if I can get it done and the justification I used was well 
It's a more of a challenge. The deer has a better <laughs> shot at living if I screw the shot up. Yeah, the true angel this, devil moment. I know. I, I did. It was. I was going back and forth so bad in my mind with this. Like, should I do this? <laughs> should I not? Is this ethical? If I wound this animal, I'm going to feel like crap. This is going to be bad. I don't want to. Oh God! And so then I, I was like, all right, I'm going to be responsible. I'm just going to. All right, I'm going to snatch a stick off a tree and. I snatched the tree and made a gun rest and kind of, and I got all right, but I still held the phone. I was confident what I was doing. I shot it. It was only like a 200 yard shot. It was a 200 yard shot, but you know, I shot him. I hit him. He, he did run about 45, 50 yards, but, and, but anyway, the point is he, I killed him. I really got down on myself about it. And I was like, God, oh, this is so stupid. And then I thought about what Kelby said, man, look, Travis in the eye boulder, dude. Yeah. You know, don't, I mean, and is your meat is your freezer filled? I was like, yep. Be did, happy. Did you, I mean, I don't honestly, I don't know about y'all, but when you kill a deer, like that whole day is just good. It is. It's something about it's that day, day is just a good day. Yeah. I don't not not a whole lot can really screw it up. You, you know, know, it's uh, there's not a lot of mo. This sounds terrible, I guess. There's not a lot of moments where I feel the feeling of content. Mm-hmm. But when it comes together, when you mm-hmm. get that deer you're after or anything like that, there's a feeling in that moment. And you know it has to leave, but you'll sit there with that kill and you'll ride that out as I'll long ride as till you the end can. Of the day, buddy. That's right. All the way when to I the first day. started hunting, it, it seemed like if I shot a nice deer, that whole week was great. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, at this point, I just, my life, I mean, if I, if I bust a doe and I didn't have to drag it very far. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a great day. That's the great show. You know, one of the hardest things in the world to kill is an old wise doe. Oh, dude, they're about as just as they're just as tough as a as I mean, to me, as a mature. Buck. They are. I uh, mean, probably some of them might even be tougher. They're more annoying. Absolutely, they can yeah. ruin your day. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, God dang it, man! You know the the worst the worst feel. I mean, that's like the worst sound in the world. Mike, my, my wife, I think we were where were we? We went to like a park somewhere. And I, I heard, you know, a doe blow. She's like, what is that? And I was like, it's a deer. <laughs> the sound of a hunt going I was like, I was like, I was like, that's like, that is the sound of everything in your life just being but, destroyed. But I've learned <laughs> your hunt's not over. No. And deer actually do, for people that don't, you know, aren't around whitetails a lot, deer are a lot more vocal than you realize. So yeah. now... I used to, th- I used to th- honestly, I used to think uh, grunt calls were... Um, were just snake oil and that was just the way people no. made money so those deer yeah they are very vocal yeah so here's a here's a good little topic for discussion that you know i'm not pitching an ad or anything uh i think the one i'm running is just the basic night and hail grunt call and what i do is i actually will turn the tube backwards and breathe softly through it through my face mask and i'll start grunting that way, more of a, a communication, soft, closed mouth type grunt is what the deer is doing. I will actually do that from day one of bow season. Really? Yes. And you'll have does that'll come to it. You'll even have fawns that are up and enough. You know, if they're close, they'll come to it. Uh, I've had it work so much. I think it's just the soft, hey, I'm here. It's just a locator. It's not the deep guttural burp. You know, like yeah. it's not aggressive. Or anything. Is it like uh, that in between a doe bleed? It's just a very, a yeah, it's not a bleed. It's just a very soft doe grunts and just hmm. locating noises. But if you learn to hear those noises, and if you have the opportunity to go to a deer pen, 
sit quietly and listen. Spend some time there. Really? One thing I heard this past season that I'd never heard before was I had a doe come out, and the buck was behind her doing a tendon grunt. Mm-hmm. And as the buck, I, let, I passed him up. I let him walk. But as he was coming by me, I noticed he was making clicking, clicking. noises. Yes. The, I've heard the, that, the yes. clicking. Yeah, what, what, what is that? I don't know. Uh, you know. <laughs> it's just like, it's weird. I it's can't, just a, I can't, kind of a popping, clicking yeah, noise that they'll make. I don't yeah. know how they do. I don't know what they're, I don't, somebody tell us what that is because we don't know what the clicking is, but we've heard it. All yeah. Heard it. Go listen to deer. If you know there's a deer farm somewhere, go ask permission. Just I just want to listen to your deer vocalizations. That is, that's and really good advice. And I never just hear what they have to say. I was lucky enough to be around it in right. multiple places to hear these noises and I would start keying in and, and I don't hear well you know aviation helicopters yeah, guns noise you know it, so I, I have to really key it has to be quiet for me to hear those things and so I think everybody should keep a grunt call but learn to use it Probably. or change the reads where you're not in there you know first day of bow season just blowing the reed out of the thing you know don't it's common sense mm. um, sound like they sound right and then Another thing I do, it's kind of like this is shifts to turkey, but I will also do this with deer. And anything calling, if everything in the woods is quiet, I'm quiet. If everything's being vocal, I'm more vocal. Ooh, that's a gem. God dang it. I like that. We talk about being in the woods and just seeing, I think, like you said, your best teacher is being in the woods. Actually, in the woods. Right. I think, actually, I think as a kid, squirrel hunting really yeah. taught me a lot about movement. Right. I mean, and I'm a big dude, you know, I'm a burly guy. You're going to see me move in the woods. Right. I mean, I could be in the best camo you got, but I'm a big guy. So if I make, and you know, whitetails, I think I, like we talked about it earlier, I think I've been busted more visually than I've ever been busted through a cent, right. through a cent ever. Cause I've just, I've always hunted the wind. And I mean, also there's stuff to that too, but and then, to be honest, and we talked about wind earlier. I just wanted mm. to say, in Georgia, I don't know if there's ever a solid prevailing wind no, ever. Same with it's, us. It's just swirls. Yeah, yeah. We, we laugh. <laughs> we call our club Four Winds Outfitters. Four Winds. Because it's gonna hit you in four Cyclone directions. Outfitters is what we call it. I mean, I swear. Like, I mean, I don't think there's any. I mean, the, the, the wind will be one way one second, then bam, it's another. I mean, but anyway, I, I I think I've been busting more visually than anything else. But I think squirrel hunting. What that taught me is. You know, squirrels, especially in the wild, like your, your typical squirrel, just because you can walk up to a squirrel in the neighborhood, I mean, they're, right. I think they are actually used to human interaction. But when you get a squirrel in the woods, in the deep woods, they are way more aware of oh, what's absolutely. going on. And I mean, I would say, I wouldn't say they're quite as skittish necessary. I mean, some people are like, I'm probably going, God, really, dude? I mean, you're talking about a squirrel, the most annoying thing during deer season. But yeah, go try to hunt them. <laughs> Go, go try to hunt them on the ground. You can yeah. walk around the woods, you'll never see them. But if you yeah. sit still for a while, right. they, start they have coming to, out the woods to get used to you being there. And, that, and to me, I think that taught me the most about mm-hmm. how to move. Especially well, was it Fred Bear said, your grandfather, I think I may be misquoting this altogether, your grandfather hunted, sit down and be quiet, sit still, you know, whatever, because your grandfather hunted in a red flannel shirt. Yeah, you know, basically smoking a cigar, saying, sitting on the right. top of a, his Cadillac, <laughs> right. and he you know. killed some of the biggest deer of all time. Yeah, um, I think that was. I think that might have been Fred Bear. I, for some that. reason, I was thinking I read it somewhere. It was something he right. said. It was a reference to camo patterns or whatever. Oh God, yeah. I, well, I mean, I know, I know that whitetails see in blue. I think that's their their that's like UV their main spectrum. UV spectrum, pretty much. 
Let me ask you a question. What? So you you here? You're Sandy. So you're quiet getting in your tree back where we've done some looking here. Are you hunting in hardwoods? I'm hunting in a transition. Of, is it loud getting to your tree? It is not loud because uh, I go I go through a. I'd say pretty fairly mature pine. Okay. I had a guy tell me, uh, this was an outstanding tip. I don't know how I didn't think of this earlier. Um, Because I had thought about raking. So if if I hunt an edge of hardwoods and it's loud, raking a path to the dirt, he said, don't rake it. Just go in there with a leaf blower and clear you about a four foot I was right about to say a leaf blower. All I heard the way that to the too. tree, man. Oh, I was like, God. wow. Here behind the house, I can get to the stand pretty quietly. Right. Some of the other places I hunt, it's pretty loud. A lot of hardwoods dropping leaves. Right. Yeah, I, you know that that is yeah, it's great. But it to, goes back to that preseason prep. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, I mean that's I mean we could talk a whole oh, three yeah, hours so. about what you need to do for preseason. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think if it's the one thing you can, that's one of the cutting your access from your opposite prevailing wind. That yeah, carried the leaf blower in there one time, yeah. and it, yeah, and stuff's gonna fall back on it. Yeah, but sure, I mean but you can walk around a couple can, of leaves instead right. of walking through ankle deep. Exactly. Leaves. I mean, yeah. Do you want to exactly? Do you want to be trying to rake with your feet, or would you rather just kind of avoid a couple, one or two little things? Sure. You know, I mean, that's to me the way. I mean, where I hunt at. I mean, like I said, I've got that pine now. Even though I've got tons of pine straw to walk on, and it's quiet for the most part, but there are the few limbs that get buried under that pine straw, and it's you know, and, it's, right. and you're walking in. I think that's that's probably the you know and that's and that's a challenge when you're doing it in the dark too you know because I mean you're I mean I do the red light on top of the flashlight yeah, I'm and, a I'm a green light guy mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I've had deer just stare at me and walk wonder what you, you are <laughs> yeah uh, so anyway we've chased a lot of rabbits mm-hmm. and and we've had some really valid points I think yeah and uh, and tips so. Let's talk about the charity thing because I, I want to talk. Oh my about god, I'm sorry. It's, it's actually not. I didn't even mean to skirt that. We just got no, no. so tucked. On it's not uh, like the charity thing. I want to talk about. I want to talk about the selfishness of what I do. Okay. And what I mean by that. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know, I've got a foundation called Reaching Outdoors, and basically I got out of the Marine Corps and I was coming to see Wesley in the hospital. He was pretty much laying on his deathbed, and I just I had had a good job and it paid good, and I was filming and doing and I couldn't place what was missing and it hit me like a lightning bolt is that nothing I did had purpose there was mm. absolutely no purpose in anything there was I wasn't part of anything bigger than myself mm. so uh, I'd always introduce people to hunting so when I say that it's my selfishness I joke about it is that's where I found my purpose again huh. was I started taking we do handicaps. We do all of those things that you see a lot of the people try to jump on the bandwagon. I hate to say that, but I see that a lot. Yeah, that's easy. We take kids. We take young men and women that want to go because we're, like it or not, we're in the, the sport of something that's being attacked. You know, people yeah, are trying to absolutely. take our rights. They don't want us hunting. They don't want mm-hmm. us doing it. You know, it's going to be a battle. So somebody's got to come up and fill our shoes. But... um You'd be amazed at the confidence I get to see in kids. Some of these kids are, you know, foster kids. Some of these kids are from well-to-do families. So, have everything. so it's not just like, no. t- it's not like a physical disability no. or of any kind. If it's a kid anything. wants to try hunting, 
that kid's gonna try hunting. Dude, you are doing God's work for the hunter. I mean, yeah. the modern hunter. I mean, I think. I mean, one of the biggest challenges we have as hunters, I think, is hunter recruitment. Absolutely, it's it, it it's kind of a, our own personal pandemic. I mean, it really is. I mean, I don't ever, I don't claim the whole millennial thing. I I am a Gen Y. I grew up playing in the woods, right, if, on the back side of my neighborhood. Okay, you know, but the, you know, um, and and that's not to say that there aren't you know millennials or Gen Xers that don't hunt and i get that god bless all of y'all well, but a lot of it started with exactly what you hit on earlier about availability of land there so you go. fathers in an era of these kids got tired of not having a place to go or getting all the land leased up and yeah. you know believe you know i came from an area we still have counties that hunt dogs you know oh, and yes. so that's big on the river joints in here in right Georgia, but so you know regardless hunters have got to put their egos aside absolutely so I'll try to wrap this up other than finding a purpose. And, you know, obviously I've hit on that we take any kid. I've taken quadriplegic, paraplegic, cerebral palsy, blind, deaf, taken them all successfully taking animals. And and it's amazing because it lets me know I'm not driving. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I go, I put my ideas in there, rig up something to work right. and do whatever, and then there's a whole lot of faith that falls into place. And, and it does, and, and I need to see that regularly. That's how, to me, I guess that's where I see what I need to see. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but I find my purpose in it. That's what yeah. I'm getting at. And some of these kids, and I guess, so I grew up playing sports wide open. I had great role models. My father was a coach. I had other, you know, great influences in me. I was a Marine. Yeah. I've done all these things, but I still found ways to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. So if I hadn't had hunting and fishing to take up those free moments, downtime, and that, you know, have that drive, I think Mm -hmm. I probably could have gone down a lot different path. Hunting definitely kept me out of a lot of trouble. I believe that. And and me too. That's what I'm saying. You know, I believe, you know, there's good in it, period. Uh, for the young females, you get to see a tremendous amount of confidence. Wow. You know, like they're automatically, or because they're a female, they you know feel yeah. like maybe they're fighting an uphill battle. You know, right. that's actually how Tori and I met with hunting. You know, oh, she wow. loves it, so she helps me. You know, and you have to be careful this day and age. She she'll go with the females, or Absolutely. we'll all go. <laughs> you know, you just have to kind of watch what you do. But I'm saying all that to say this: take a kid that's not your kid. Okay. Hunting is a drug. Mm-hmm. Um. I had a friend of mine, he's real big NA, probably 15 years now cleans. He's a, the spokesman of NAAA, whatever, and he's got storage, buddy, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. But um, he told me one time on a trip over here, he said, one of the hardest things to do was to get off crack. And I'd looked at it, you know, I thought, is he joking? Has he been for real? He mm. said, the first time you do that drug is the highest you'll ever be. Right. And you will spend the rest of your life, if you don't get off of it, you'll have a short life, chasing that high. Well, it all made sense to me. It's the same thing as the first deer you kill, the first yeah. deer you kill. Every time you go after that, you're chasing that high. And you'll mm. never feel it again. The closest you'll ever feel to your first deer is to take somebody and try to hold it between the mustard and mayonnaise mm-hmm. and talk them through making... The shot, you know, every bit of it, 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 I'm telling you, just trust me on it. Take somebody. Yeah. If you don't have a kid, take another kid. If you do have a kid, take another kid. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the best, that is the best advice I think we can do is for, 
for the hunting community in general. So what's the name of the charity again? Reaching Outdoors. Reaching Outdoors. Is there a, we have a website? Uh, we just per- basically went to Facebook. Okay. Uh, uh, we don't, I'm not a tech guy. Gotcha. Uh, I do a ton of physical work on our property. We, you know, I'm usually the one with the kids. Right. We try to take 12 to 15 kids a year and introduce them to hunting. And Is that only in the local Alabama area or is no, it more we, of a... Uh, well, it, wherever. You know, wherever. we had a guy... Um, We've only had uh, one that was a mild mental, okay, uh, very high functioning. But you know, it, it, a lot, of, a lot of care had to go into this hunt, and it was a mm-hmm. turkey hunt, so we yeah. could get by with a lot more. And uh, they came from, I want to say, they're living in like uh, Wisconsin. Oh, good. So I mean, so in, so anybody, you any, know, if you reach out to reach me, out to you, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So that's how they're gonna go. Just look, absolutely. So go to Facebook, uh, reaching reach out, outdoors, reaching outdoors, and, and uh, contact Ryan through a DM or a, absolutely. You know, you know if be, we can help you, we'll help you, and and we do have other contacts that may be closer to you to help you, but. You know, that's we'll carry them down here in Georgia if they want to do it. I'll be happy to. <laughs> that's a wonderful. That's the right attitude. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, that's. I think that's. I've had more. Definitely with my nephew. I mean, it's my. It's even though he's my family and my nephew. Sure. It was. It's. It's such a. I love rubbing blood. I just. <laughs> just love rubbing blood on people. So, yeah. <laughs> so no, I'm just kidding. But that that that's just a great thing, man. I, I love. I love that whole thing. So well, let's. You know, even if somebody wants to reach out to me because they want to how do I connect with a kid or how do I talk them through that? You know, mm-hmm. I see a lot of people make mistakes of just throwing their kids in the fire, so to speak yeah. of why didn't you hit it? You know, take the time, go shoot, yeah, explain, absolutely. draw it. I take a pen and a piece of paper and I draw a stick figure deer images of crosshairs on, I explain what I, you know, yeah. break it down Barney styles, you know, so to speak. And then, and it just it makes more sense. And if that one shot at the range to see that they can hit a target, their confidence level goes through the roof. So gotcha. it, when crunch time gets there and nerves kick in, that's it's, awesome. Yeah, it helps for sure. Gotcha. So I'm working on it with my kids, I think this year Hunter and Savannah they'll probably take their first deer. Oh, that's gonna be great. Yeah, this kid's I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to. I mean, I love I love anybody taking their first deer. Yeah, I've absolutely. got two. I've got two buddies that they've never hunted before. We're not taking them this year. Just talking about Lopez, you know, his boys have really come on with hunting and fishing, and he pushes them a lot, and that's. Uh, his boys impress me with what they do. I think it's good. That's killer, man. I think one of his kids has already took one with a bug. Uh, he has. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, man, dude, Ryan, thank you so much for you know taking the time to do the podcast, coming Absolutely. over here. Let me take up you and Kelby's evening, and you know this it's been awesome, man. I'd love for you guys to get up my way, and uh, you know, like I said, that you can't do all this in one day. I'm sitting here, my head's just reeling with thoughts of, man. I need to know this. I need to know this. I need oh, to know dude, this. we're, we're going to have this. you back. You're coming back on the show. <laughs> You're episode one. We could not have you on. It, it, <laughs> if we make it to episode 10, I, you will probably be back on episode 10. I don't know. I've been but, pretty quiet during the episode. I'm getting over a sinus infection. Uh, so Kelby will talk, says basically he'll talk more next I'll, time. I'll talk more next time. I think what he's telling us is we talk too much. No, that's fine. I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. I've been enjoying listening to y'all talk. No, it's good. You know, that's a good thing. We want that. But, you know, hey, I mean, we need to get Ryan to say that he would take us hunting when we when we come to Alabama. Have I ever said I wouldn't? He just said it. Then. I, I so, tried to get you to take me velvet hunting last year. <laughs> Did I? We're we're just trying. We're trying to get it on. We're trying you know to get it out there. 
This is so you know, this is a legal document. This thing has a time stamp in it, and it'll actually stand up in court. So him taking his hunting is Can't actually be having some set. kind of strange reverse <laughs> recall thing. Uh, that's my fault. I, I bailed out on him last year. <laughs> Dude, well, we'd love to go hunting with you, man. We're, yeah. we're, we're excited. I've had a great time hanging out with you all. Absolutely. And I, I love it. So we're probably going to do some more hanging, but we're definitely done with the show. So, again, thank you all for listening to the show. We're Like I said, we're, this is our first episode, so – we're hoping people will listen to it and, you know, hopefully we sounded all right. So, and, uh, but if anything, guys, uh, uh, check out Ryan's, uh, uh, charity, uh, reaching outdoors, reaching outdoors and, uh, just get them on Facebook. That's a great noble thing. And, you know, if not only is it for hunting recruitment, but, you know, just helping those that don't have that opportunity, I think this is one of the greatest things we can do as a hunting community to show others that who aren't necessarily hunters, that we are, we, as hunters, we do care and we are trying to give back. So uh, check out Ryan's uh, uh, charity. Also, uh, you know, I don't know, go stalk him on Facebook or something because that's what I had to do. He doesn't have a public page yet. <laughs> but hopefully he will. But that's what we're all about here. So anyway, all right. All right. Thank Talk you, guys. Talk to you later.